Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And you folks listening out there, you might think you're tough, but you're not. Not compared to my podcast partner, John. This man was in New Orleans over the weekend covering a gaming conference. He woke up on Saturday morning and passed a kidney stone. And he just shrugged it off and attended the opening panel of the day moments later. Uh, sorry if I just caused the listeners to picture a part of John's body they'd rather not picture. But, John, you're all man and the people need to know it. <laughs> uh, well, how do I respond, Eric? Um, <laughs> let, let's just say that not all kidney stones are created equal uh, in spite of <laughs> urban legend. Um, when it's like half the size of a pea, uh, wait, P-E-A, when it's okay. half the size, of, right. it's um, manageable. Uh, that said, unlike the four NFL teams last weekend, uh, no one gets a buy in this game. Uh, <laughs> let's just say the, the overnight turned the big easy into the big queasy and leave it at that. Uh, my, my main takeaway really from my return to New Orleans 35 years later after my Mardi Gras appearance, uh, is that I learned that the French quarter establishments are open in the daytime as well. Uh, who knew? Okay. So are, are you, uh, implying that you did a bit of day drinking while you were there? Uh, no, not under the circumstances, but I, I was able to walk around and observe, and that's about as far as I got this time. Okay, and, di- and did you come armed with uh, beaded necklaces in hopes of uh, getting women to uh, show you certain things? Uh, no, I I, um, I believe I uh, completed the cycle 35 years ago, so okay. I'm, 
I've checked off all the boxes. Okay, you're you're past that stage of your life, I suppose. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 22 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 21 episodes, you can find them all on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, and we encourage you to subscribe. So every episode just shows up on your device automatically, and you never miss one. Yeah, and coming up a little later on the podcast for everybody, uh, we'll be speaking to versatile gambler Brandon Adams. He's a top poker player and daily fantasy competitor, as well as an author and a man who has lectured on game theory at Harvard. Uh, Brandon should have a lot of interesting insights and stories to share with us. But first, we've had a busy news week again in the gambling world, so let's get right to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. As noted at the top of the show, John hit the road again last week. He was in New Orleans for the National Council of Legislators from Gaming States Conference. And when he wasn't passing stones, John was watching experts speak about Pennsylvania's high sports betting tax rates, the lottery's place in the legal sports betting era, uh, and more in the never-ending discussion of integrity fees or whatever the leagues want to call them at the present moment. Uh, Plus, he listened to Chris Christie go off on the leagues for still pursuing those integrity fees and much, much more. Uh, John, I'll give the floor to you since you were there. What were the highlights of this conference in your eyes? I I think the... uh... The most underrated highlight to me, the biggest eye-opening thing to me, is not something that people would necessarily think of, but it was uh, listening to a millennial talking about uh, courier service on online lottery tickets. But more importantly, she was explaining that for for many young millennials, walking into a convenience store and trying to buy a lottery ticket is daunting to them uh, because they're not – they don't know how it works. Uh, They don't know what to do. I remember in the presidential election cycle last fall, there were a lot of college students who – weren't able to register because they didn't know where to buy a stamp and they had to buy one and then send something out online. I, I, with all the technical difficulties and struggles I have, uh, I thought I was kind of where millennials uh, crush me. Uh, it was kind of nice to see that they're not good at everything. But uh, the more important point was that you know, only about six states have uh, online lottery now. And she really brought home the point that uh, lotteries at this point in the U.S. are way behind. They need to get online yesterday. And if they don't, they're losing this incredibly big uh, uh, force. Uh, another point clearly was Governor Christie. Um, I talked to a number of people who uh, told me afterwards they really thought they hated him and and they really enjoyed his speech. And now they're kind of conflicted. But I've seen the governor, obviously, many times here in New Jersey. So I've seen that reaction before. Uh, He was clearly in his glory. Obviously, um, the governor who uh, filed the law, who had a lawsuit filed on him that eventually led to the legalization of sports betting option anywhere in the U.S. is going to be a conquering hero at any gaming Congress. And uh, he enjoyed every minute of it, uh, for sure. Uh, And the last thing you mentioned about the Pennsylvania tax, um, I'm really intrigued by uh, various Pennsylvania regulators that um, they get hit with uh, this sort of storm of controversy about their high tax rate. And they're not defensive about it at all. And as I mentioned, with the casinos, they are making a fortune on that high tax rate in spite of predictions. And it's too early to tell exactly what sports betting, but it's possible that for them, they're going to clean up again. And while the industry doesn't like it, um, they're trying to make as much money for taxpayers as they can. And uh, if they pull it off again, then uh, they're going to have nothing to be defensive about. 
Hmm. Yeah, th- those were all uh, interesting discussion points uh, that, that you wrote about uh, that, that came out of the conference. One other thing uh, you didn't mention just now that I found very interesting in one of your articles that uh, GLI President Kevin Mullally said federal sports betting legislation getting passed would be a case of the earth shifting on its axis. Uh, in other words, uh, don't worry, it, it ain't happening. And even if it somehow does, he said the state's would have workarounds and could render it ineffective. That, that stood out to me, uh, some kind of welcome words to hear from an expert in the industry. Yeah, it's it's funny because we sort of all know that, and yet there's so much talk about this possibility and the Schumer bill and what's going to happen and what would they do and, and how would it hamper states or would it be so bad? And I, it was really kind of a welcome, kind of a slap in the face. Say, wait a minute, guys, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things that Malali said is to the audience is, who here actually believes there will be a comprehensive bill passed through Congress and signed by the president to law anytime soon, basically? And at that point, the whole, and there's probably 200 people in the room, they're all kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't believe that either. <laughs> so so we, we kind of already knew it, but it, it was, was nice to see an expert kind of pin it down and be able to say, listen, you know, calm down, everybody. Right. Okay, uh, story number two this week, uh, and this uh, ties in with what you were just talking about with Pennsylvania and its tax rates and uh, and sports betting. Uh, this is one that I covered in person, my first sports book opening event. You've done a few of these. This was my yeah. first. Uh, Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. The official opening is today, Thursday, as we're recording this. Uh, that's when they wanted all the press there. But the soft launch was Tuesday, and they were taking live bets. So uh, sorry, Parks, but that's your sports book's opening. Uh, whether, whether you want to call it that or not. And I went and covered it on Tuesday. The crowd was modest. Uh, again, Parks was hyping Thursday, not Tuesday. But everything seemed to go smoothly. Uh, a local guy named Steve Schwartz was third in line, but knew exactly what he wanted to bet, 50 bucks on the over in Eagles Saints. Uh, so he got the first official bet down uh, and got swarmed by all the reporters and, and cameras afterwards to ask him about it. Uh, but meanwhile, the the kiosks were much more popular than the actual windows. Um the temporary space uh, that they have set up there is nice for betting, but not great for watching games. It's basically a bar with no seating except at the bar. Uh, still, the permanent space, which VP Matt Cullen told me will open in May or June, should make up for that. Uh, but maybe the most interesting thing about the opening of the sports book was a piece of technology they were showing off and really pushing hard. They have an app uh, with what they're calling a bet slip builder. It basically looks exactly like all of the sports betting apps in New Jersey, except you can't actually place a bet on it because mobile betting isn't live in Pennsylvania yet. But you can build your bets. Uh, you can tap the bets you want, put in your dollar amount, see what your parlays are going to pay, etc. Cue it all up. Then walk into the sports book and have them scan your barcode and your bet is made. Uh, they have a special line at the window for the people using the app. So it's kind of like Fast Pass at Disney World, um, especially in the final minutes before kickoff of a big game. You don't want to get stuck in a big line. This could come in handy at those times. Uh, but more to the point, what's brilliant about this idea from Parks, in my view, is that it gets their customers used to using their app so that when online betting does go live in the state, they'll have those customers roped in already. They might not go download the Sugar House app or the FanDuel app. They have the Parks app already. Um, so, uh, John, I'm curious, uh, what do you think about that? Can that simple, uh, brilliant, uh, almost devious plan uh, from Parks here catapult them to the forefront when uh, Pennsylvania mobile sports betting launches? 
Oh, yeah. I, I love the move. You know, as you know, personally, already you have a subset of eastern Pennsylvanians who have been making bets online legally in New Jersey, crossing mm-hmm. back and forth, as you have done. Yep. So now you get another subset for weeks or for months, probably, uh, of casino visitors who can get help in figuring out the details, like you say, basically of the app. And every little market edge helps. And, you know, of course, the Philadelphia area, like New Jersey, is a sports-loving hotbed, as well as a traditionally illegal gambling hotbed, if we're <laughs> being honest. Right. Um, the key is to lure over some of the latter group, you know, who, who bet illegally. But also there's a large contingent of sports fans in, in both states and both regions uh, who, who know a lot of people who use illegal book, bookmakers, but they didn't want to go that route for various reasons. And they do want to bet legally. And um, you're right. The, there's a simplicity. If, if this is convenient and they like it, and then in a couple of months they're told, oh, and now you can actually make the bet on that app. You don't even have to go to the casino if you don't want to. Um, the casual better. Why are they going to bother signing up for three other sites? They're going to they're going to stick with the parks, I think. Yeah. And and that guy I mentioned who made the first bet, uh, Steve Schwartz, I, I asked him, you know, when mobile betting is he, he lives in the same town as the casino. So it's a really short drive. He said five minutes or so to the casino. But I asked him, you know, when when you can start making the online sports bets, are, are you going to? And he said, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here today just to check it out. And it's cool that, the, you know, we can start placing bets. Uh, but. I'm going to I'm going to choose the convenience almost every time uh, once that's available to me. Um, But, uh, you know, I guess what I would say, though, while I I do respect this move from Parks to it's it's a like I said, a a brilliant idea. Um, I think it helps. I still kind of expect DraftKings and FanDuel will will have the edge in the early Pennsylvania online sports betting handle wars. The the brand names of those, you know, they've powered them into the one and two positions in New Jersey. I kind of think they'll do the same in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they, they've kind of proven their, uh, their track record in, in New Jersey uh, and impressed the regulators there. And um, I think they've got the business model set. So, yeah, yeah they're going to do well in every state. Okay, our final story this week. Uh, Technically, this is a story from last week. Uh, It broke just after we recorded Gamble On. The NFL announced a deal making Caesars its first official casino partner. All the other leagues acted more quickly uh, and made deals with MGM. Now the NFL has finally followed suit uh, with its own deal. And according to Bloomberg News, the multi-year deal is worth nearly $30 million a year to the NFL. Uh, It's important to note that this is technically a casino deal, not a sports betting deal for now. Um, But look, the NFL isn't hiding it anymore. The same league that uh, once uh, several years ago wouldn't allow its players to be involved in a fantasy sports event, now is obviously all in on, on the gambling connection and on Vegas, where the Raiders are moving uh, two seasons from now. Uh, it's also holding its 2020 draft in Vegas. So make no mistake, the NFL is cool with sports betting. It can smell the money. Uh, so, John, uh, this is the latest in an avalanche of, of deals leagues have made over the last few months. Is this one extra meaningful because it's the NFL or is it ho-hum, just another partnership to throw on the pile. You know, I, I get kind of nostalgic. I, I think I was the only reporter who read all of the thousands of pages of depositions in 2012 <laughs> by league commissioners and other executives about the sports betting case when it was first filed mm-hmm. against New Jersey. And a lot of them actually seemed to believe that legal sports betting outside of Nevada would be lethal to their sport. I remember Commissioner uh, Bud Selig in baseball. Uh, I generally think he he was being honest when he believed that uh, betters don't like baseball. They're not baseball fans. Um, so he didn't even understand the uh, connection between fans and gambling. They, they're, there are sports fans and there are gamblers, but there is no intersection. Um, mm-hmm. He clearly believed that. Um, 
Now, NFL ratings are up this season. Uh, go figure on that. Uh, but as far as the NFL signing up, it, it's kind of an inevitable march. We, we sort of could see this coming. NBA, MLB, and NHL, part, parties in the lawsuit, and the PGA Tour, which was not, uh, they're going to be more amenable to to going this route of partnerships, while the NFL and NCAA are going to lag behind. Um, and and the NCAA lagging even further behind, as we're seeing. It's not a surprise. You know, the loyalty databases of customers at casino giants like Caesars and MGM, it's incredibly valuable to almost any business, you know. And um, by the way, the NFL draft uh, in 2020 will be in Las Vegas uh, a year after they come courting usbets.com overlords in Nashville uh, this April. I mean, why else would they go to Nashville for the draft? <laughs> Hmm, interesting. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll note here also is that uh, Caesars put out a tweet uh, when this was announced calling itself uh, an official sponsor of the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, you see from their end, uh, they, they like being able to throw uh, stuff like that around. A uh, nice title to be able to put on themselves. Um, also, uh, as Jill Dil- Dorson pointed out in her article about this on Sports Handle, it's not an exclusive deal. Uh, all, all these leagues could end up making deals with multiple casino companies before all is said and done. And they will, for sure. Yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We now welcome to the show a man who is currently enjoying lovely 80-degree weather in the Bahamas, or at least he would be if we weren't forcing him to come inside and Skype into our podcast. Uh, Brandon Adams is a top poker player and a top DFS player, as well as an entrepreneur, author, lecturer, and graduate of Harvard Business School, and he now joins us on Gamble On. Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. And just to be clear, I taught at Harvard for nine years, but I was all but dissertation, so I didn't technically graduate. Ah, okay. Thank you for the well, clarification. I, I do have not nine years of uh, teaching experience and, and 20 classes under my belt. Okay. And I also saw somewhere on the internet something about you graduating from Harvard at, at age 19. So I guess... So just... I graduated from University of Florida at age 19. Okay. All right. So the internet cannot always be trusted is what we're learning here. Wikipedia <laughs> definitely cannot be trusted. Right. I've okay. Crazy things on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, sorry for getting some slight details wrong, but uh, the point is you have a, a, a variety of uh, interesting credentials, uh, and, and one of them, uh, of course, is your history in poker. So let, let's start with a poker question, since you're you're in the Bahamas uh, playing in the PCA. Um, poker isn't your sole focus. Uh, you also play DFS, you write books, etc. I'm curious, do you get rusty if you take a little break from poker, or are you able to jump right back in at any time and still play your A game? I find that you don't really get that rusty. I play my best if I have a week of warm-up just to get that that comfort of being at the table and just get adjusted to whatever sleep schedule you need to be on and so on and so forth. But um, I don't find that the game gets rusty. I find that... uh, my longevity in poker has has a lot to do with uh, taking long breaks because hmm. it's an exhausting game. And frankly, it's getting to be a little bit of a boring game. Uh, it's going the way of all static games. The hmm. rules of, of poker have been the same since we were first exposed to it. And static games in today's world all yield to computing power, and that's what's happening to poker. So... We're in a world where the best players are copying computers 
And that problem is only going to become more severe over time. I can imagine a world five years from now where poker is just completely dead, like everyone's wearing Google glasses and <laughs> they know they can look at the corner of uh, out their corner of their right eye and know what the optimal solution is. And, and then maybe it just becomes a matter of who can who can execute the mixed strategy solution best, who can who can execute the bluff best. But anyway, I think it's in the process of trivialization in the same way that uh, that say backgammon and and other other static games have gone through. And, and would you say that's true of poker as a whole, or or just hold, no limit hold'em in particular? Poker, sort poker of as a whole. Okay. Poker as a whole. Like the the solvers, like the general principle of computing power applied to poker. Um, they're attacking every game at a pretty rapid clip right now, and hmm. it's just a matter of time before the game becomes trivialized. So I've had the right background to stay on top of those developments, and I've in, invested time and money in, in getting coaching from people that I think are, are really advanced there. Um, so I've been able to follow the developments in a way where I never feel the slightest bit behind. Like I feel like if anything, I'm probably uh, ahead of where most people would expect because there's a certain background in in game theory that helps you follow these developments. Because if, if you if you think about the general principle of learning from computers, um, if you say AlphaGo, right, uh, when the best Go play, if, if you see the recent documentary on on AlphaGo. Um, when the pros examine the computer solution, the computer, of course, can't explain why it did what it did. The, the pros have to in, make inferences. And this is going to become a, uh, an issue in poker where more and more uh, the best players, quote unquote, are going to be computers. And we're going to examine the solutions that they come up with when playing other computers, like examine the optimal solutions, and um, we're going to have to make inferences about why they do what they do. And it it helps in this process of making inferences if you have a uh, knowledge of game theory, of the branch of economics that studies strategic interaction. Right. Yeah, Brandon, uh, maybe this is a good segue then. Um, I know you've gained recognition as a top daily fantasy sports player over the last few years too. And it seems like you've had particularly good success with baseball. Uh, first, I'm kind of uh, imagining the the math and advanced analytics there are in that sport. Uh, probably the starting pitcher in particular, I would uh, guess as an amateur. Uh, and so is that, does that make baseball easier for you? And also where is it going? Is this going to be uh, computer uh, driven in the future? Not that it isn't already, but will it, will the computers take over where there's, there's less advantage too? Well, uh, DFS, it's we've we've definitely come a long way with the analytical models. Uh, some of the best analytic sites, like say DailyRoto.com, uh, they have amazing models and make very accurate predictions and do a good job updating their their projections based on news that's coming in. But DFS has this interesting element where you have lineup lock and you have an incredible amount of information coming at you right at lineup lock. Mm -hmm. And the projection systems as it stands now are really only as good as the people making the, 
making the updates. Uh, so there is there is a real skill level in synthesizing the new information as it comes in in heaps in that 15 minute period before lock. So I can imagine a world where you have an artificial intelligence engine who's also having good news gathering capabilities and is making all the adjustments like on the fly. Um, but we're we're still we're still a few years away from that. Uh, we're we're still a few years away from because like now, um, let's say uh, let's say when Drogic was healthy or whatever, uh, it was he was a game time decision for some soreness in his ankle or whatever, and and you need to uh, read interviews with coach with other players the Drogic himself you need to look at like what games do they have upcoming where are they in the standings like make all of these judgment calls like how likely is he to play tonight is he going to be on a minutes limit uh we're still a long way away from computers being able to make those judgment calls right well it's interesting you say that because i covered the nba for 10 years in the 90s and um i get the feeling from what you're saying there's going to be something interesting happening in the next five years on that because uh you know we're literally in a locker room at 6:45, and uh we might hear something at 6:40, and you know especially going back to the 90s basically pre-internet um even if you do something you had nowhere to go with it um and then there was the internet you could break something on the internet you know in the last 10 years but that's a little scary with the way you describe it yeah uh it's it's really interesting now uh because the NBA, as you guys know, has led the charge towards legal sports gambling, but it's insane that they haven't led the charge in injury reporting because the two go hand in hand, right? right. Just as just as uh, liquid, trustworthy stock markets go hand in hand with fair disclosures, timely and fair disclosures— Legal sports gambling requires timely and fair injury reporting. So it's been a real mystery to me uh, why the NBA hasn't hasn't been tougher in this, right? Because because clearly right now uh, it's an uneven playing field from both a sports gambling standpoint and a daily fantasy standpoint based on the the late reporting and the like just wholly unreliable slash bad reporting. Uh, and it's a problem that needs to be fixed. Like in the DFS world, you can see, um, I think I can see a decline in DFS volumes that, that I partially attribute to uh, bad injury reporting. Just, just people, people getting burned on having played guys who then end, ended up uh, putting up a zero for them so many times that the that people are, are are dropping out of playing DFS because of the frustration of that. You're saying? Yeah, but when I say bad injury reporting, I I really mean uh, where it's clear after the fact that the coach knew and could have disclosed right. an injury, and instead he chooses to uh, do it like five minutes before tip off. Right. Okay. Or what have you. Right. 
All right. Well, the, my next question here is a, a completely different uh, subject uh, for you, Brandon. I, I know that you recently took a trip to Tokyo for your 40th birthday. Uh, happy belated birthday. Um, okay. This is not a gambling question, uh, more of a life question. Uh, you seem like a guy who's smelling the roses, having fun, having adventures. Do you see turning 40 as any kind of a lifestyle pivot point or, or do you expect nothing to change significantly after this milestone birthday? Um, well, I do sort of take the time to smell the roses, but I kind of think I took more time to smell the roses. I don't know, late twenties and early thirties, the 40, it's kind of a work time. Hmm. And it's also been something that I struggle with personally, cause I'm always traveling around and play poker and all that sort of stuff. And if I tell people that know me, like I've got to work today, they, uh, they sort of laugh at me. But I do actually work really, really hard. So it's it's always this tension in my life where everyone assumes that I don't work, but I actually work really hard. Okay. Um, but I did take the big trip for the 40th, and it was a blast. Uh, went to Tokyo and Nico. Um, a blast from old poker days. Went out one night with John Yuanda and had an amazing time hmm. going to dinner and karaoke and a couple bars. Um, and uh, yeah, was gone about two weeks. It was my second time in Tokyo. Uh, and then I got back, took about a week to recover from jet lag. And now I'm going about things as a 40-year-old. Um, <clears throat> it is... It is an awareness that like, all right, you're going to be old soon as a poker player. You um, you know how you saw 40-somethings when you were like in your 20s or what have you. Uh, and yeah, it's a little bit of a different mindset, but you're, you're so much more savvy when you're in your 40s. Like you feel like you've made some big mistakes, you've recovered from the big mistakes, you've learned from them. Uh, it feels like it, it feels comfortable and good in the 40s in a way in that you have done some some learning. So it feels like things are less likely to go painfully wrong in your 40s. I don't know. Right. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, wait till you try your 50s. Let me tell you. I'll, uh, I, I, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but uh, you'll wait. Um, I just want to last uh, to wrap up here. Um, you've been known to engage in some really fun prop bets, uh, including that big tennis prop bet that was pretty famous and something last summer called the Gambling Olympics. You know, what's the craziest prop bet you've ever taken part in? And, uh, you know, being surrounded by so many people in the gambling world, like you just mentioned, um, is there an all time craziest sort of degenerate bet you've witnessed that uh, not only would blow people's minds, but maybe even blew your mind. Well, I just played tennis uh, just this moment with a guy, a Finnish guy named Yusi, uh, who uh, had the biggest tennis prop bet of all times against Patrick. They played for 250K at Monaco Country Club, and Yusi and uh, actually won, won the bet, 6-3, 6-3, way back, way back in the day. But uh, Pat and I had a big one. All the biggest prop gambling I've ever done was back in that crazy, like, 06 to 08 period. Uh, some golf stuff. And I guess the craziest memory I have is one time Patrick and I went out to TPC Summerlin. This was a long time ago, like 07 or whatever. And 
we played 27 holes at TPC Summerlin, but then we like weren't done. So we were like, what can we do? So we went to the the lighted course in Summerlin, the nine hole course. Hmm. And we played uh we played there and we we had birdie bonuses and all this. And I I played out of my mind. And I think I had like four birdies and I won I don't know, 78K, I think, on the on the nine, which was the biggest win that I ever had in golf. And that was a great prop bet memory. These days, I I do prop bets, but I, I'm probably only doing one or two a year. And uh, they tend to be fitness-oriented. They're, they're kind of painful, right? But uh, <laughs> it's been an expensive – it's been an expensive program for me. But uh, but it's been good for my health. Right. I've done I did a well, I did a one mile race about a year and a half ago that I won. That was a lot of fun with some DFS guys. And then I have another one mile race in April, but we're not betting. It's just a pride thing. And then I play this friend of mine who's a DFS guy. He's unbelievable at tennis. And we have a prop on me winning a game. Which sounds easy. But I call him the Roger Federer of the O and O bed. He's 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 unbelievable, and uh, I've tended to lose against him. But it, it's good that uh, all this stuff gives you motivation to to stay in shape as you as you enter your you know your physical decline of being uh, over the hill as as you are officially now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, actually, one last thing I want to fire at you real quick before we go is I was just listening to a, a podcast uh, about this DraftKings uh, Sports Betting National Championship uh, where one of the people on the podcast uh, is out there in the Bahamas and said he heard that you might be playing in it. So uh, I'm, I'm curious if we can uh, break some news as to whether you've decided whether you're uh, planning to, to play in this uh, DraftKings event. Oh, who is that? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> I- I I, I I suppose I can know. I can reveal my source I guess since he said it publicly on a podcast there was a okay. Donnie Donnie Peters said that oh oh nice nice um <laughs> well it brings up bad memories because I last chatted to Donnie when I was like uh, fifth in chips after day two of the poker tournament so brings <laughs> up bad memories but um I. I do not have a flight leaving the Bahamas yet, but I would say it's 80% likely that my flight will be to New York to play in that. Interesting. Okay. And I I guess they're going to have an overlay of somewhere between 500 and a million, which I, it might not be a true overlay in the sense that if you're engaging in that, you're if you win, you've paid VIG of thousands of dollars along the way. So I, I don't know if you can actually consider it overlay. Right. To, to, to be an active participant, you're having to pay maybe a couple thousand in VIG, but you less than that. But you're paying a lot of VIG and you're also getting a thousand or so a thousand to twenty five hundred back in overlay. Right. Yeah. That's an it would be fun way. to win, though. It'd be fun to right. win. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking about it. If Certainly if you could have like five or 10 entries, I would be there in a heartbeat, but I'm probably going to be there. Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, if you do go, uh, best of luck, of, of course. Um, and uh, just want to say, uh, you know, it's been great talking to you. And uh, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast with us. All right. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Right, thanks, Brandon. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. All right, uh, Brandon Adams might be ponying up 10K to enter the DraftKings Sports Betting Championship this weekend. John and I are not, uh, but we do have our own 10K bankroll to manage. Uh, so before we get to our NFL playoff picks, let's start with our bets and our bankroll update. We had an up and down week. Uh, I split my two bets on the Eagles-Bears game, uh, winning $100 on the total being under 41 points. Although I got a little nervous when the Eagles were up 16-15 and going for two, uh, that it could go to overtime at 18-18, which would have been a potential terrible bad beat for underbetters. Uh, anyway, we won that one, uh, but my $50 on Alshon Jeffrey to score was a loss. Shortly after that game ended, you added $100 to our bankroll with your excellent bet on John Rahm to finish in the top 10. Uh, you nailed it. You picked just the right bet. Uh, top five wouldn't have gotten it done. He snuck uh, just in there inside the top 10. Uh, but then, unfortunately, our biggest bet of the week was $220 on Alabama to cover against Clemson, and we all know how that turned out. So we lost $70 for the week, uh, meaning we're up $227 with $910 on hold in futures bets, leaving us $9,317 to bet with this week. And you're up first, John. Uh, Eric, Eric, that Alabama game just broke my spirit. <laughs> you know, I had such a successful college picking season overall. Yeah. That I, I was really confident that, okay, I, I've got the feel of this. I've done particularly well in the SEC. And like, I, I got this, I got this. And, um, that's all I have to say about that. So, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 here's, here's one thing I'll say, at least, uh, you know, this will make you feel better. Uh, at least it wasn't a points bet, bet, uh, that you made there. <laughs> Yeah, I've had too many, like that Army uh, minus three and a half, one by 56. I would have wished that was on points <laughs> right. bet. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's good to go the other way where I would have gotten crushed. So, yep. But let's move on, and I'm going to look NFL here. I want to go under 49 in the Rams-Cowboys game, um, 110 to win 100. Uh, the Cowboys defense is solid, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott will provide the ball control, and the Rams are not as explosive as they are of late. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I like that one. Good good call. I would I would lean toward the under there as well. Um, with my first bet, I realize that I'm giving away one of my NFL playoff picks with this bet, but I'm putting $100 on the Colts at plus 198 on the money line against the Chiefs. Uh, that's a great return on investment for what I consider a toss-up game. I'll have more to say about it when we make our NFL picks, but among the many live road underdogs this week. I think the Colts are the most live. Uh, I love them at plus 198. And uh, John, just consider yourself lucky that I'm not following my instinct to parlay them with the Chargers winning outright. Uh, also, at uh, that would be almost 7-1 to one payout or uh, with the Eagles money line at almost 12-1. to one. Uh, No parlays for me, just the single money line bet here. Yeah, it sounds like it can't miss, right? It just can't miss. But, uh, <laughs> ask, ask a casino bookmaker if it can't miss. So Yeah, no um, such thing as a can't miss. 
That's for sure. Uh, let me go back to that other main success area I've had yeah, in recent months. Uh, as you know, I had a winner last week, uh, PGA Tour. Uh, still in Hawaii this week, uh, full field this time. Uh, not all the studs are ready to enter just yet. Uh, no Tiger Woods, for instance. Um, so you may not know too much about Australian Mark Leishman. Uh, he finished fourth last week. He's solid on this course over the, over the years. Uh, he's peaking in mid-career. Uh, he can handle the windy conditions, and he can go on a birdie binge that you're going to have to to uh, finish high here. So uh, all of that adds up to be enough. I'm going to risk 100 to win 138 on Leishman just finishing in the top 10. Okay. Another top 10 bet. I like it. Uh, for this week's final bet, uh, I'm going to go to the sport in which I have the most expertise, boxing. Uh, this Sunday night, airing on Fox Sports 1, Jose Uzcategui is a minus 152 favorite to retain his super middleweight belt against Caleb Plant. This is an interesting fight, uh, but I don't quite think the undefeated prospect Plant has the stuff to pull off the upset. Uzcategui is brimming with confidence, uh, as he should be. Uh, he's in his prime and really peaking in his last few fights. I'm putting $152 on Uzcategui to win $100. Uh, plus, uh, in the wake of that controversial draw in the Fury Wilder fight uh, a couple months ago, I'm sprinkling $10 on the draw at 23 to 1 to cover my bases. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes the distance uh, to see the judges give Plant a little help keeping his undefeated record with a draw. So um, uh, covering covering some bases there with the 10 bucks on the draw. Love the draw. Love the draw. <laughs> <laughs> and we move along to our NFL picks. Uh, the dream remains alive for me. Uh, 11-0 and is in play after I went 4-0 last week, thanks in part to us getting the Cowboys line at the right time for me. Uh, you went 2-2, two and two, so you have some ground to make up. Uh, and re remember, we're using the Wednesday lines on FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey for these. And the first line, uh, the Colts at Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by five, uh, and I'll be picking first here, and I've pretty much already given this one away. Uh, the Colts are the hot team. They have the better defense. The Chiefs still have an explosive offense, but it's lost a little something without Kareem Hunt. Uh, and you know me, John. I go into every Andy Reid playoff game ready for him to find a way to lose. He's 11-13 and 13 all time in the playoffs, which, you know, congrats on getting to the playoffs now 14 times. That's a great accomplishment. He's not a bad coach. I'm not saying he is, but... He's 1-4 in the playoffs with Kansas City. He's lost too many times to count against less talented teams. I think Frank Reich just might be at the start of a great coaching career. So especially if I'm getting five points, I like Indy. Uh, yeah, notice, Eric, there were two easy picks last week, the Colts and the Chargers, and we, we both won those. Mm -hmm. And then there were, there were two tight ones, and <laughs> well, we know how that went. But right. uh, <laughs> as far as Colts and Chiefs, uh, I would say, yeah, all I needed to hear was four points. Anything beyond four points was nice. So there it is with the five. So, yeah, I go with the Colts. Uh, at this point in time, are the better team, and, and I love your uh, money line pick on this one, definitely. Cool. And I'll go with the next game, too. Uh, Cowboys at Rams. Rams by 7.5 points. Um, Cowboys have been favored of late, and I faded them because they don't dominate. Uh, but when they get 7.5 points, conversely, I'll, I'll take them every time. Uh, Rams are the new 2018 Chiefs. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And uh, the Chiefs and the Rams sprinted very similarly and had that epic game. And uh, guess what? It's January 2019, and it's a new era, and the Cowboys can at least scrape by uh, within 7.5 yeah, I agree. We're on the same page uh, for the second time this week. Uh, the Rams peaked too early. Uh, they're, they're not quite the same without Cooper Cup, and Todd Gurley still probably isn't 100%. I'm not sure that the Cowboys will win outright. I'm not making that pick, but I, I do think seven and a half points is too many. The Cowboys have a very solid defense. 
as long as Dak Prescott doesn't make big mistakes, I think they should at least keep this game close. So uh, we're on the same page there. Give me the Cowboys. Uh, the next game is uh, the Chargers at the Patriots. Patriots by four. I really thought about taking all four road dogs to cover. Uh, and this one, my initial instinct was Chargers. Then as I thought about it more and saw the weather reports of likely snow at Foxborough, I changed my mind. Uh, Even though this Patriots team is worse than most of the Belichick-Brady era, and Brady might be a little washed, uh, and they clearly are just coasting on the advantage of playing in the AFC East to pad their record, despite all that, I'm not ready to pick against Belichick in a snow game at home in the playoffs. This is a tough one for me, but I like the Pats to cover the four points. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, I agree with you. Um, you know, there's so many reasons to take the Chargers, but just four points for the Patriots are unbeaten at home this season. I mean, you know, give me the Patriots. I'm not sure the King is is quite dead just yet. So yep. uh, let's move on to the fourth game. Eagles at Saints. Uh, Saints by eight points. Um, you know, there's such a long history of teams who pull off the miracle finishes. Um, heck, last year we had the Minnesota miracle in the playoffs, and this year we had the Miami miracle in the regular season, and we had the Eagles with that amazing field goal double doink last week. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and true to form, um, the Vikings and the Dolphins lost their next game, uh, and so will the Eagles, who frankly did not impress me much. Uh, wait, I'm quoting Shania Twain. That's not good. But um, in beating the sort of – Fetal position Bears offense last week uh, didn't overwhelm me. Their secondary obviously is revived, but Mitch Trubisky is not Drew Brees for sure. So sorry, Cinderella. Okay, so you're going with the Saints uh, to cover the eight points. So that's good in that it means we at least have one that we disagree on this week. Uh, I'm not making the emotional hedge and and going against my Eagles. Uh, As I said, I I wouldn't last week. Um, And I realize I'm kind of backing myself into a corner here. If I want to go 11-0 against the spread, it might require the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Uh, Although they could always cover uh, this one here against the Saints, uh, but lose outright, and then I'm off the hook for next week. Uh, But to me, eight, eight points is a lot. Um, I liked it better when it opened at nine, but even at eight, uh, I think the, the Nick Foles magic is real. I do worry about the Eagles secondary finding ways to stop the New Orleans passing attack, uh, but the rest of the defense is healthier and playing much better than it was in November when the Saints absolutely shellacked the Eagles. The offensive line is playing better. Everyone is elevating their game with Foles at quarterback. I'm a believer, John. Got to pick my birds here. Good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, I'll hand it over to you to take us out. All right, Eric, uh, everybody out there, remember to drink lots and lots of water every day. And until next time, Gamble On. Gamble On.